Promises to me doesn't matter 
You have 
Let's give them a hand clap. They've done a wonderful job this morning. You know, 
I don't think we could have picked a better set of songs to go with the message today. You know, uh, and I don't know if you, maybe when you get the CD and you go back or watch it online and listen, you know, do you realize the first two songs, it, it was giving praise, but it was, an, it was people that were going through something. Even though the weight of the world and all these things come our way, that we still praise God. Amen. And that's, that's the thing. The weight of the world, uh, the one thing I wish Jesus would have never said was in this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's the only thing I wish he wouldn't have said. But uh, he said it. Why? Because we live in a broken world full of broken people. And we ourselves are broken. Right? Everyone born is broken now. Right? Why, don't, why do you think he says you need to be born again? Because you're broken in the original state. So we live in a broken world, surrounded by broken people in our own brokenness. So that's where we go through so many things in life. So, uh, but then I love the last two songs. It talks about, you know, way maker, miracle worker. You know, that, that sounds good when we're praising it. But you know who's saying that? Someone who is stuck in a situation where they see no way out. You know, and we realize that God is a God who is faithful and he doesn't need a way. He can make a way. Amen. He doesn't need to do things. He can make, you know, when he created the earth, he made it out of nothing. Right. So he didn't, he don't need stuff to make. He can make out of nothing. And so we understand that God could uh, deliver you, save you and get, get you through all these different things. So let's just begin in prayer. If you get your notes out. Amen. We're, we're actually doing a part two called uh, Conquering the Giants. And um, I'll just quickly talk a little bit about what we mentioned last week. And uh, so you could go back and online and watch uh, the, that message or get, a, get your CD in the back if they still have some left of last week's message. But let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just come to you right now. Father, I just lift up each and every person that's in here and, or that will be listening online, Father God, or any type of way, Father, in the future. Father, that are going through something in this life, that are battling something in this life. Father, we just pray and lift them up right now, Father God. And we know that you are the way maker, miracle worker, Father. And I just pray that you place inside of each and every one of us the faith, Father God, to overcome our fears, the faith to overcome our doubts. Father God, that we could walk in victory, Father God, because we're going to see a victory. So I pray right now that every deaf ear be open to hear the truth, spiritual truths of your word this morning. Father, I pray that every blind eye be open to see the spiritual truths of your word this morning. And I pray that every mind can comprehend, Father God, your spiritual truths this morning. And most of all, Prepare each and every heart to receive this morning, Father God, your word. Let the seeds be planted. Let your word be planted in each and every heart, Father God. Let us be transformed by the renewing of our mind this morning, Father God. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you better. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, and everyone says, Amen, Amen, Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise before we get started. <clears throat> Amen. What I want to just uh, share a little bit this morning is Jada. And, oh, there we go. I, I didn't see y'all earlier. We, before we get started there, I just want to present a couple of um, CFC membership uh, certificates. Jada and uh, uh, Abel have been coming here 
since they were children. <laughs> Thanks, and they've uh, filled out applications to join the church, so I just want to call them up here, Abel Berg and Jada Berg, uh, two of the newest members of Christian Fellowship Church. Amen. Come on, stand up and give them a hand clap. Amen, amen. I got Mr. Abel right there and Miss Jada right there. Let, amen, amen. Proud of you guys. We love you all. We, we've been having their certificates, but he's been working and things and all. And I said, well, I want to present them at the same time. Amen. So, amen. Amen. All right. So let's get, let's get back to our notes here. Uh, conquering giants. And l- let me just begin with 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 again as we start this message out. Conquering giants. What, what it is is the, is, is the event of David and Goliath in the Bible. And I think this is probably one of the most popular events more people know. Even people that aren't Christian, the world uses the David and Goliath uh, event to uh, express things. And so this is David and Goliath uh, battling a giant. And what I want to just say is that I know that we're, nobody in here is going to walk out of this place and there's going to be a 10-foot tall guy looking to take you down. Okay, so, you know, you could say, well, why is that story even in there? I'm not going to meet up Shaquille O'Neal in, in a dark alley somewhere. And that's, that's not, you, but reality is, is the principles. I always say the Bible from Genesis to Revelation are timeless principles of truth in God's Word. And so we can look at, and again, this may not be new revelation to anybody and, and things, but maybe there's some things in here that we, we haven't seen before, or we need to review that it helps us to overcome obstacles in life. Okay, because the giants that we're talking about is not a person. The giant we're talking about is situations we go through in life that are bigger than us. It's things that, that are in our way. Um, can I also say that one of the giants we have to overcome in the very beginning of our Christian walk is us? That we, we need to learn to let God be God and we're not His God that tells Him, right? How many of you know we need to learn how to begin to pray, not my will, but thy will? Right? Because so many times when things go bad in our life and things, and, and we, we talked about last week that... that This may be new to you, but that giants in your life, some of them are actually placed there by God because he needs you to face that giant, to grow you and actually to show you where you are in your walk with him. So let's look at uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. This is a message paraphrase. I like the way it says it in there. Uh, It says every part of scripture. So this is what we need to know. Uh, Every part of scripture is God breathed, meaning what? God, when God breathed into the nostrils of man, what happened? Life came. When God created the earth, God, notice how he created, he said, and when you speak, what comes out of you? Breath, life, it's life, okay? So God breathed and is useful. Every part of scripture is God breathed. There's God's life in it and useful in one way or the other, showing who truth? Us. You see, whether you agree with God's word or not, it is the truth. God doesn't need you to agree with it for it to be the truth. Ask Adam and Eve how that worked out for them. Right? God said, eat of this tree and you will die. Guess what? They didn't believe it. That's why they ate. 
But guess what? God's word was still true. All right? So it shows us truth, exposing our rebellion that we can't have it our way, that it's not about us. It, you know, it's about him and his kingdom. We are not God. We are his servants here on earth. And it says that uh, it corrects, correcting our mistakes and training us to live God's way. And verse 17 says, Through the word we are put together and shaped up for tasks that God has for us. Why are we put together? Remember, we're broken. We live in a broken world. We're broken people, and when we become born again, God begins to put our life back together like a puzzle that has been uh, shattered and put together. And how many of you know sometimes, how many of you worked on a puzzle and you kind of wanted to jam a piece in that wasn't quite right there, you know, and you, you, you want to make it fit? Well, God says, no, we can't do that. He wants to put you back together the way He wants so you could, to, to do whose task? His or yours? His, right? That's why Jesus says, not my will, but thy will be done. We understand we have our own will and our own purposes and what things we want to do. But that, we got to conquer that giant in our life and take that out. So it says that it, it, the word puts us together and shapes us for the task uh, he has for us. And I want you to understand, and I'm going to just mention this part now, that when David went to fight Goliath, he took five smooth stones. Now, again, God does not want you to pick up a, a rock, put it in a slingshot, and sling it at the forehead of your spouse when you get upset, right? That's, that's not what it's talking about, okay? Or someone you're angry at that you sling it and throw, that's not what it's talking about. But what that timeless principle was, it's what we use to fight, how we fight. And one of the best weapons we have is His Word. So you could say, well, let's take a stone and the stone is his word. His, the, that is the truth that I could begin to, to battle the strongholds in my life. And think of that word. A, a stronghold is a negative mindset that we have. The way we used to think, but God's word says he wants to correct our wrong thinking, correct our negative thinking, wants to make us think like he thinks, right? A, but a stronghold, break that word down. A hold is something that it has a hold, a grasp of, but it's a stronghold. That is, it's very hard sometimes for God to renew our mind. And the only way our mind is renewed by, is by getting in God's Word. So one of the weapons we're going to fight with, we could say today, is you need God's Word inside of you. All right? Not, and not just when you're going into the battle. You need it every day in your life. Amen? So, amen. Let's, get, let's get, <coughs> continue here. So again, giants in our life are those things that are out of control. They're, most of the time, they're not planned. You didn't see them coming. You know, that, that's what happened with David last week. We talked about that he went out to check on his brothers, and all of a sudden he heard the giant come out. His, his dad said, go check on your brothers in the battle and all these things, and he heard the giant, and David didn't know he was meeting a giant that day. Giants usually show up unexpected. And out of nowhere. These situations that happens in life. And how many of you know that is that phone call at one o'clock in the morning? Most of the time that's a giant. There's something that's going on that, that, that needs our attention and help. So let's look again. First uh, Samuel 17, 45. Let me take a sip here. 
This is what we started with last week, this verse, and we're going to get to it later today. This is when David, uh, <coughs> David says this, David said, now how many of you know what that word means, said? Said to the Philistine when he's gone to face him, David, the Philistine is the problem, it is the mountain in our life, it is the issue that we need to, and David said to the Philistine, or the mountain. Didn't Jesus say, if you say to this mountain? See, too many times we talk about the mountain, and we don't talk to the mountain. Right? We'll get into this a little bit later. But David said, you come against me with the sword and the spear and the javelin. This is what what, uh, Goliath's coming against. And guess what that represents? The natural world, the things in this world, the spear, the javelin, all these things mean in this natural world. And in this natural world, we will have problems. We will have things. But notice what he goes on to say. But David says, but I come against you, not in the natural. He says, but I come at you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defiled. And I mentioned last week that David was not the only believer of God. Right? David says, look, look, they, had, they, had, they were out there facing the giant for 40 days. Every day he would come out uh, against Israel and say, come on, somebody, come on. One of you guys come out here. And none of them would. But yet God was the God of the nation of Israel. What was happening? They were living in fear of that giant. David was the only one that was willing to walk in faith and face that giant. Here? See, fear and emotion. Too many times we get stuck in our fear, in our emotions, which fear is part of it. Fear, worry, all those good things our emotions give us, right? But our emotions, we do have joy and things like that as emotions. But when we're facing a giant, the emotions come, the fear, the worry. But David says, you know what? Beyond that, I'm coming against you with my Lord. It's not just me that I'm taking a step of faith. So we need to understand that fear is an emotion, but faith is an action. Now, uh, faith is more than just a feeling good. Faith is an actual taking a step and doing something. So it says, you come at me in, the, uh, with, in this natural war, he says, but the God, I come at you with the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. All right, then, so let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. It says this, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's why I'm saying the timeless principles through things. Think of what David was just going through and saying. Although I'm in the world, you coming at me with your spear and your javelin, he says, I don't, we don't wage, Paul tells us, we don't wage war as the world does. David didn't come up and say, look, I got a javelin and a spear too, let's fight this natural war. He says, verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, The weapons we use, they have what kind of power? Divine 
power, God's power to demolish strongholds. Sticks and stones. If you want to fight that way, guess what? You, you will hurt. But we don't fight that way. There's a spiritual battle going on. You're, you have an enemy, the devil, who comes out to kill, steal, and destroy. And guess what? You're not going to beat him with sticks and stones. It's a spiritual battle we're going through. It's it, not just a natural battle. And that's why it's saying that, that, God, that the way we fight those, and again, we can equate the five stones he's getting out, the stones, and it doesn't really matter right now for how many stones, but what, what do we have to fight with? First thing I mentioned a while ago is God's word, which is the truth. We are to be renewed in our mind. To begin, once you get God's Word in you, you begin to start thinking what God's Word says. Then guess what? Your vocabulary changes and you begin to start speaking what God's Word said. You begin speaking in faith and not speaking in fear. Think of the 12 spies that went uh, uh, with Israel into the Promised Land. They came out and the, the 10 out of the 12 spies said, speaking in fear, we, we are like grasshoppers in their eyes. How, does he, how did they know what they looked like to the enemy? Reality was the enemy was scared that they were coming because they heard about the uh, armies of God. But their fear, and these were giants, and, and I used that example last week, when, when Israel was coming into the promised land, did God know the giants were there? Yeah. God wasn't surprised. The Israelites were surprised. It, they pop out of nowhere. Could God have removed the, the giants in the land before the Israelites got there? I said last week, yeah, he could have sent the coronavirus, whatever it is, over there and wipe them all out. So if God knew they were there and allowed them to be there, they were there because God wanted them to face the giants, but God didn't want them to face the giants for them to be defeated. God wanted them to face the giants to test their fate and have them defeat the giants in their way. So one of, one of the things is, is like I'm just saying, uh, the Word of God and that, how about praise and worship? Right? Don't you feel so much better after praise and worship? It's like, whoo! Right? It lifts you up. <coughs> it builds you up. That's another weapon you have. Right? What about your church family? Attending church regularly, getting in fellowship and knowing people personally. How many of you know that uh, trying to carry a load by yourself is a lot heavier than trying to share it with someone else? And doesn't the Bible say that we are to carry the burdens of one another? All right? So if you, you don't go to church regularly, don't have them fellowships, you're trying to carry this all alone. Where God never designed you. God never designed you to be alone. God always designed you to be in relationship with other people. So, again, let, let's, uh, let's get going here. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, which we used last week. Now faith is the confidence we have, confidence we hope for, and the assurance about what we do not see. And I told you last week to circle the first two words, now faith. And I think it's important that we understand this now faith is being confident, or other versions say being sure of, 
right? So there's not that fear, but we're being sure, of, we're sure of what God's Word says. But I really like to focus on the first two words, is the now faith. How many of you in here, show of hands, have been through something and you know God's taking you through it? Okay? So you had the faith to go through that. But let me tell you something. When you face the giant today or tomorrow, you need faith today. But I can, rely, I can look back and remember what God's done, and it'll help stir up that now faith. Right? God had took Israel through other battles before. But they didn't stir up that now faith. That when they went, they said, oh, no. So we need to have now faith. I need the faith now. When, when uh, that problem, that giant shows up in my life, today or tomorrow, I need now faith for the immediate uh, thing I'm in. And then it goes on to say this. Uh, Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Okay, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. But I want to focus on that very beginning. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, how do we know we have faith or not? Right? We all say we have faith, right? If you think you have faith, raise your hand. I'm raising my hand. But you know how... God lets you know if you have faith. It's how do you do in your test. How you do when the giant's in front of you. You see, that shows us where we're at. God already knows. <coughs> right? Jesus knew when Peter would deny him three times. Peter didn't think he would deny him three times. Actually, Peter rebuked Jesus and said, don't, you don't know what you're talking about, dude. There is no way I will deny you. There is no way. He says, I'd even go to death. I'd die for you. Well, guess what? The next night, a giant pops up in Peter's life, which is just a little girl. One of them. And saying, didn't you know him? Oh, no, no. I sure didn't. Because he was scared that they would arrest him too. You see, Jesus already knew what was in Peter's heart. Peter did not know what was in his heart. So God already knows what is in our heart. We don't know. We could deceive ourselves, we, and we do. We deceive ourselves just like Peter did. We believe we know what we would do, but when the rubber meets the road is the final thing. You know, and I always say that example, you know, if ever it comes in the world that Somebody's going to come to you and say, put a gun to your head and say, if you don't renounce, denounce Christ, we'll kill you. Could you do it? Would you stand? And we all say, yeah, but guess what? It's a lot more pressure when that gun's on your head. We can say it now, and we hope we do, and I hope all, everyone would say yes. But you know what the devil's going to make you do? Oh, well, what, you know, what good would it be for me to die? Then I can't share. But if I stay alive, if I just say no, it's just a little lie. Oh, it's starting to sound like Peter's story. Right? Because Peter knew if he was arrested, he'd be crucified. So Peter was willing to say, oh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know him. Because if I'm, if I'm crucified, what good can I do in the world? But if I live, I can share his story. 
You see, we could kind of reason our way out, and that's the wrong way to take. <coughs> so faith is only shown when we have to go, when we go through a test. And let me just stop here for a second. And, and I mentioned this last week and really the week before. Sometimes some of the things we go through is very hard. And uh, again, it doesn't mean that God caused the things, but how many of you know that if it's there, he had to allow it to be there? Nothing can be there without him, if you want to call it God-filtered. All right? But again, Adam and Eve, did God want them to fail and fall? No. But he allowed their giant, the serpent, to be in the garden to test them and, and test their faith. And they fell. It wasn't God's will for them to, but it happened. It was God filtered. And if we're not careful, you know, we can lose a loved one, which, can I just say, until the Lord comes back, we're all going to die. Point at yourself. Me. One day I'm going to be in a casket right here. Or somewhere. I told my wife once, I said, maybe I should be uh, cremated. And she asked me why. I said, because I always wanted a smoking hot body. <laughs> That's the only way I could get it. I, I like cookies too much and stuff like that. So, but until the Lord comes back, we still face the penalty of death in this body. But we could lose a loved one, and if we're not careful, we can take up an offense with God and be angry at God. And I, and I use the example of John the Baptist, and I just want to share it with you again right now. That Jesus made a statement to John the Baptist that, look, I've just seen this within the last month, and it's just come so alive. But when you think of John the Baptist, he was sent by God to prepare the way for Jesus. That's what he was, his calling on life. And Jesus even said after that John was the greatest man that ever was born to a woman. As he came to prepare the way. And he does this, and when the, one of the times uh, John sees Jesus before Jesus' baptism, John sees him and says, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Now, did he have any doubt who Jesus was? No. When he baptized, water baptized Jesus, as Jesus came out of the water, what happened? The skies opened up. The, the, they heard the voice of God saying, This is my son who I am well pleased. They seen the Holy Spirit come down like a dove and land upon him. John's right there. He sees all this. He knows Jesus is the son of God. He knows that's who he's come to proclaim. But a situation happens in John's life that he's calling out sin of the king and his being fooling around with his brother's wife, and they arrest him. And while he's sitting in prison, and he's starting to think to himself, hey, Jesus, what about me? Look, I was doing the work of the Father. I was doing the work preparing the way, and I'm over here in prison. You, you haven't even come visit me. I'm stuck here and you're just doing your thing over there. So John sends some of his followers 
to Jesus with a question. Now, what was John saying about Jesus before? Behold the Lamb of God. And he had, this is the question John sends, says to ask Jesus. Are you really the one? Why would it change? Because he found himself in a situation that he didn't want to be in. And he couldn't believe that God would leave him in that situation. But again, you see, that was a giant in John's life. He had this lady, that his purpose in life, right? How many of you know Jesus didn't have a very good ending to his story, if you want to take it from our account? He, he ended up on the cross. He went through a lot, right? He was resurrected from the dead, but we're going to be resurrected from the dead. Our story don't end in, in, in a long ride in a hearse. But Jesus made this statement when, when they came back. So are you, John said, I, tell them, are you the real one or should we expect someone else? And Jesus made this statement, blessed is the man. Now, this is, you got to remember where it comes from. Blessed is the man who does not get offended because of me. And he's saying, John, you, you've got offended because of where you're at in life. And he says, blessed is the man who can crucify himself, take up their cross daily, and not be offended by what my father's trying to do. Right? Because Jesus could have said the same thing. Oh, uh, I ain't going to that cross. I don't want to go through that. See, that was something John had to go through. It was John's purpose for his life. And sometimes in our life, we go through things. But what's great is that we know that through all things, God works for the good. Right? Through the horrible crucifixion and death of Jesus Christ came a resurrection for each and every one of us. He uses the bad things. Uses, it doesn't mean he causes them, but he uses all things, good, bad, and ugly, and works them together to bring good out of it. So we need to remember, not although we're hurting, and going through things in life that we need to be careful not to be offended by God. That God, you didn't do what I wanted when I want. You know, uh, 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 let's go on here. So we find ourselves where we stopped last week right here on, on uh, <coughs> this event. Sat, sat first Samuel 17, 23 and 24. And this is uh, David. He went to check on his brothers like his father wanted. And it says, and while he was talking to them, Goliath, the Philistine, the champion of Gat, stepped out of, uh, from the front lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Now, he had been doing this. David wasn't there, but he, Goliath had been doing this to the nation of Israel for 40 days. All right, and it says, whenever the Israelites saw the man, the giant, they all fled for, from him in what? Great fear. Now, wasn't David's God their God? <laughs> but David said, you know, we see David says, it's because of that God that I'm going to face you. See, they, they weren't ready. They, they weren't ready. They, they were giving in to their fears. And uh, as we talked about last week, before this point came, it says it was early in the morning, and as usual, Israel went out, took their battle stations, and kept shouting their battle cry. 
right? Woo, Jesus is good. God is good all the time. They're high-fiving each other, going good. Everything's good when, when the giant's not there. Right? Think about that. The giant's not in the picture. They're all excited. They're shouting battle cries. As soon as the giant comes out, they're like, anybody ever had one of those little dogs? <laughs> you know, they might weigh like three pounds, and they think they're the baddest thing on the planet Earth, and they bought it barking and barking at you. And as soon as you stomp your feet at them, the tail goes between the legs, and they go off. That's basically what's happening. Before the giant came out, they all shouting their battle cries of how great their, their army is. But as soon as the giant came out, they all ran in fear. So I want to continue verse 25 here. But I want you to pay attention to this. What's going to be happening here? I want you to see four things of the way people are acting. Uh, David is the one who finally answers the call to fight the giant. So the whole nation of Israel is cowering in fear. Nobody wants to go fight the giant, and David steps up and say, I'll go. So wouldn't it seem like everybody would say, yeah, all right, finally somebody's gone. Sad to say, he was criticized more by the nation of Israel and everyone else, his, even his brother, for answering the call of God to go. And he was going to go to kill the giant so they could be free. But he came up through more opposition, not only of the giant, but everybody that, was, that should have been supporting him and helping him do what God called him to do. <coughs> now, so I want you to notice these four things that, that go on there. As we're going to read this, there's Saul and the, all the Israelites, all of them, they're giving in to fear. They're living by fear, not by faith. They're walking by fear, not by faith, because every time the giant came out, guess what happened? They took off and ran. Now, uh, David's brother, what we're going to read in a minute, uh, Elab is a very jealous and angry at David. And, and we're going to see that a little bit later, but why... He's angry as if you go to verse 16, uh, chapter 16, is when uh, Samuel, God told uh, Samuel to anoint a new king. And he get, calls all Jesse's sons, which is uh, David's father, to come in and walk before him. And he's gonna, God's going to show him which one of Jesse's sons is going to be the new king after Saul. That he's going to anoint him with all. Well, guess what? They told David, don't even bother coming. Say, just go watch the sheep over there. Don't even bother coming. And, and one by one, they would walk in front of Samuel, and Samuel would look at him and say, man, this one's got the muscles. This one's solved. This one's that. And God would say, not him. Not him. Not him. And then finally, there was no more brothers except David. And Samuel says, is there one other? And he said, David. And David comes in, and God says, that's the man. He anoints him as king, and, and this is what the God says. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Okay? So, we're going to see after a while, David's brother, who is jealous and angry at David, wanted to be king, 
But God knew that he, when the giant came, he, although he was much bigger and stronger and looked more like a warrior than David, he would cower in fear when it came to the giant. But God knew that David's heart was right. Making sense? Then there's another guy in this thing called Goliath. So Israel's acting on fear. David's brother, who is an Israelite, is jealous and angry. Goliath is what? He's got all his trophies out and he's polishing them up. Goliath is walking in pride. Then there ain't nobody. Ain't none of you runts going to come here and take me. And, and really, when you read the whole thing, when, when David actually comes out against him, he got insulted. Like, what am I that y'all send this little run out against me? He was, he was so full of pride, and guess what comes before the fall? Pride. He, he, in his mind, no one could beat him. And then there was this one little guy, David. He was the only one walking in faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. And we, and we know who the hero in the story is, right? So let, let's get reading here, okay? 1 Samuel 17, verses 25 through uh, 33. <coughs> it says, Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. They say the king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt him from uh, the taxes of Israel. Now notice what's going on here. Forty days... All the warriors been talking about Goliath, right? It's all in their conversations. Who's going to go out? Who's going to do this? This giant here. And guess what I mentioned earlier? Talking about something and doing something are two different things. They've been talking for 40 days, and guess what? If they, if they would have still just, if David wouldn't have showed up on the 41st day, 50th day, he would have still been showing up, and all they would have been doing was still talking. Fear gets us talking. Faith gets us praying. <coughs> David asks, verse 26, David asks the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace for Israel? Who is, and he, David says this, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Verse 27 says, They repeated to him what they had been saying, and he told them, uh, they told him, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. Now notice verse uh, 28. This is David's brother, who had seen David anointed, who was actually there when passed in front of uh, Samuel, and Samuel said, you're not the one. But he wanted to be the one. Notice what it says. When Elab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, guess what? Instead of saying, you go get him, little bro. I'm for you. And, and this is what I want you to catch in this. As he's saying, everything he's saying about David is really revealing his own heart. He's really saying what was in his heart. Although he didn't know it. 
He, he said, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And whom did you leave those few sheep with in the wilderness? Like, you ain't worthy. You, you, you know, you, you're just a, she a shepherd. Go watch some sheep. You, you're not as good as me. You're not worthy of me. I wish David would have just said, well, look, if you would uh, put on your big boy pants and march out there and face them. But no, you're over here crying. You're over here whimpering, talking about this thing. And he, he goes on to say, why have you come down here? And whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? He's, and notice what he says about David. I know how conceited you are. <laughs> David, I know how conceited you are. What is conceited? Thinking more highly of oneself. How, much you, how many of you know that it was his older brother that thought more highly of himself and was looking down at the one who was going to take down the giant? He says, I, you, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. How many of you know he had some big brother issues? Because he was an anointed king. He wanted, but you know what? God knew his heart. God knew David's heart, and he knew his big brother's heart. And God says, big brother, you look the part from the outside. But the inside's all messed up. Then verse 29, David answers him, Now what have I done? You know, what, what did I do to deserve all this? I, I'm just asking about y'all over here scared to death of this giant. And I'm trying to figure out a way how we're going to take this giant down and y'all turning on me. David said, Can I even speak? And David turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter and the men answered him as before, telling him what they would have. What, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul. <coughs> Excuse me. And Saul sent for him. Now notice this. David says to Saul, let no one lose heart. This is the little shepherd boy speaking to the king. Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. In other words, David is telling him and, and begin, trying to begin to encourage him, let no, one lose, let no one give up because of the giant that we're facing. You see, their fear was ready to... Nobody was going to go out and face him. Israel was going to lose that battle unless someone went to defeat him. And David's saying, look, don't give up. Please let no one give up. He says, I'm going to go. I'll go fight him. And you'd think the king would say, well, at least I got one guy. At least somebody's brave enough to go, even though he was chicken himself. Here's the encouraging words from the king. You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and, has been, and he has been a warrior from youth. Think about that statement. There's not one Israelite that was encouraging him to do what God called him and preordained for him to do. There was not one Israelite that congratulated him and said, I'm with you, I'm going to go with you. They actually turned against him and he was trying to help them. 
So I want to point out these uh, three things here to look at. Letter E. And as we're going to continue to read uh, through this uh, event that took place. First thing we need to do that we see that David did was remember God has a plan and purpose for your life. That you get, if you don't remember God has a, when you're facing a giant, you need to remember God has a plan and purpose for your life. <coughs> I got a little lanyap here for you. That's not on your note here, but uh, and I use this one all the time. Um, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, is Ephesians 2.10, if you'd put it up on the screen. Remember God has a purpose and plan. Remember, timeless principles throughout the Bible. Notice what it says. We are God's handiwork, or something says God's creation, God's workmanship. In other words, God made you. The Bible says that before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. He formed you in your mother's womb, okay? And he says, created in Christ Jesus. And that's why I want to stop here for a second. Why does it say created in Christ Jesus? I want you to see there's a giant in between those two things. Well, we were created, born, and then it says about created in Christ Jesus. Think about this. When we're born into this world, we're already facing an impossible task of salvation. Jesus says there's a giant in your way now, and with man it is impossible. And he's talking about being lost. But he says, but with God... All things are possible. In other words, you could go at it with all your might, all your, your, your strength, all your weapons of this world. You'll never gain salvation. It's only through God that he sent his son. So the first gi- there's a giant between the handiwork and the created in Christ Jesus that we have to overcome. And that is salvation. And it's only one through Jesus Christ. Right? As David fought Goliath, it wasn't David's skills, it was God behind him. So we see that w- that first giant you go through is being saved. He says, but then he says, we are created and saved to do good works. Which, who prepared? God prepared in advance for us to do. Do you see that God has a plan and purpose for your life? The devil has a plan and purpose too. To kill, steal, and destroy God's plan for your life. To keep you from fulfilling God's plan. To keep you like the Israelites cowering behind the rocks instead of conquering giants. So we're going to go back to uh, chapter 16 where again David's remembering what took place. It said, so Samuel, which I mentioned a while ago, Samuel took the horn of all and anointed him. Where? In the presence of his brothers. You remember that angry brother that was jealous and things because he, he, he look, I, I guarantee you that day when they went in there, he says, I'm the oldest, I'm the strongest. This is mine, guys. Y'all don't even need to show up. It's, all, it's me. And his bubble was per- burst that day. He says, in front of his brothers, and from that day on, the what? Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. But I want to tell you something. 
that the Spirit, when you became born again, the Spirit of the Lord doesn't just come on you, He comes in you and lives, and you become the temple of the Holy Spirit where God's Spirit dwells. You see, that was the difference between Old Testament and New Testament in, in that way, that God's Spirit would move on one person, would, would move, and it, it, you notice in the Old Testament, it never says in, it says upon, because you had a body of sin. And that's why we need to be born again for the Spirit of God to come in you and you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when you think about that, David remembered that God had a plan and purpose for his life. That's why God anointed him as king. Do you think in his mind David was thinking, well, God anointed me as king so I could go die by the hand of this giant? No. Let's picture it this way. There was one giant on that battlefield. What was his name? Say it. There was one giant on that battlefield. What was his name? God. That's the reality of it. The Israelites had a giant, but their giant's name was Goliath. David had a giant, but his giant's name was God Almighty. You hear me? David did not see Goliath as the obstacle. He seen God as his victor through that obstacle. Fear makes you see the situation as the giant, but God's trying to remind you he's the giant. That no one can stand under what he's going to do. If, if he's called you for that, if he's moving in that direction, ain't nothing stopping him. So I'll ask you that question now. Who's, what's the giant in your life? God. It's not the situation. You need to tell the situation about your giant. You need to tell the mountain about your giant. Letter B. Remember about God's protection. Remember about God's protection. Can I tell you something? Raise your hand if you're here today. Well, I didn't mean to confuse you. <laughs> Raise your hand if you're here today. Okay, almost everybody. I don't know. Do you know you didn't, the only reason you woke up is because God wanted you here? Do you realize you're, you're still alive because God's protection and guidance has been through your life year after year, through situation after situation? Even though you didn't see Him working, He was working. Even though you didn't see Him delivering, He was delivering. Even though you didn't see Him healing, He's been healing. I need to remember that the only reason I'm here today is because of what He's done in the past. And He's still doing now notice what David says here. <clears throat> Back to verse chapter 17. <clears throat> when Saul just told David, you can't. David says, oh, oh I'm going to have to correct you on that one, sir. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Now notice what he says. When a lion or, or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. He said, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it and killed it. 
Your servant has killed both lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. I'll stop here for a second. It says he's going to be just like them. They weren't too big for my God, and he's not too big for my God. Notice how he goes on to say it. Because he has defiled the armies of the living God. Verse 37, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. You hear what he's starting to say? Not my abilities, not my uh, things. He says, the God who I serve, who has rescued me from the bear, the lion will rescue me from this giant. And guess what happens to Saul? He starts to have a change of attitude. He says, go, and the Lord be with you. Do you see Here's another stone. The words we speak. Notice how he was speaking in faith and things, and it's, it's beginning to turn, turn the king's heart around, that you know what? Maybe you got something, dude. Maybe you can go. You see, one of the, one of the stones in, in our little sack for our weapon is what we speak. Do you, or do you speak defeat or victory? Don't give me that old story of old about speak reality. Reality is the, is, has nothing to do with faith. Was there a giant in their way? Yeah. What was their reality? The giant's going to kill us. We're going to be hiding in these rocks. But David said, no, faith is an action. It overcomes that. Let her see. Remember, it's about God's power, not yours. Remember, it's about God's ability, not yours. Remember, it's about God's timing, not yours. Well, that's the one we don't like. <laughs> God, why is it taking so long? Right? We, 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 we in such a fast-paced society, you know, you go through the drive-through at a thing and look... Hey, I ordered a hamburger three minutes ago and I still don't have it. <laughs> right? Can I tell you something? It's Burger King, but he's the king of kings, but you don't get it your way with him. Right? Th think about that. The Burger King here on earth is you get it whose way? Your way. You see, you're on your throne, you're the king. But God says, you got to get kill that giant. Not your will, but his will, which includes his timing. And I, I tell you what, I've never known God to be early. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I've never known him to be early. Like, oh, man, it's, a, it's he let, why? It's because of us. It's to build our faith, to build us up in our walk, trusting him. So remember, it's about him. Notice what happens here. So Samuel says, go, Lord be with you. Verse 38 says, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, which is a clothing thing that goes over. He put his coat of armor on him, a bronze helmet on his head. 
David fastened on the, uh, his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. And David says, I can't go on these. He said this all because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. In other words, David was saying, I can't go with these natural war things and win. I'm going to get clobbered. In the natural, he is much bigger, much stronger, much he's a champion in the natural world. And if I try and fight him in the natural world, I'm going to lose. So he says, get this junk off of me. He says, I'm going to fight him as God took me and rescued me in the past. I'm going with my little slingshot. Verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch and, uh, of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he did what? Approached the Philistine. You have to face your giants in this world. You can't stay hiding. And then I'm going to read uh, quickly. Uh, th- I didn't have room to put this on. First uh, Samuel 17, 45 through 51. This is the battle. And this is verse 45 is where we started with this. David said to the Philistine. Again, this is right after that Philistines criticized him like his pride's hurt. Y'all send this little punk after me here. His pride's hurt. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. He says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. Notice what he said. The battle is the Lord's. The Lord will deliver you, not me. It's not what I'm doing, but the Lord will deliver you into my hands. He says, I will strike you down and cut off your head. How many of you know the way to kill a snake is what? Chop the head off. You, you, you get, get it there. So there's no resurrection once the head's cut off. It's, it's, you, know, you don't have to worry about it. I wonder if he's still alive. It says this, this very day I will give the carcass of the Philistine army and the birds of the air, the wild animals, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. And I want you to know that he was even talking about the nations of Israel, that you guys need to see again the God you serve. Because you're, you're not walking in the faith that you, that you should have. You're cowering in fear. He says, all those gathered uh, here uh, will know that it is not, notice what David says, it is not by the sword or the spear that the Lord saves. In other words, the natural woman is not this natural fight that the way the Lord saves. He says, um, what verse am I on here? Uh, okay. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As, now notice what happened. What's those next words? The Philistine did what? Came closer. Can I tell you, right before your victory, is going to get the most hairiest, the most scariest? He didn't, the Philistine didn't start running. The Philistine got upset and said, oh, yeah, and he started moving in. See, when, you get, when you're going to be battling, the enemy just don't lie down and play dead. He'll raise his head and try and come back after you. It says the Philistine moved closer to attack him. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. 
He says, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it. Would I speak, getting God's word inside of me that helps me get through this day, the spiritual battles of this world. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword, he said, without the things of this world, without a sword in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Then David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. He drew it from its sheath. After, after he killed him, he cut his head off with the sword. When the Philistines saw that the, their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Resist the enemy and he shall flee. Amen. So let me just share with you a few things. Number one, again, God did not save you for some army, for some giant, for some battle to destroy you. You hear me? Just like God did not anoint David in chapter 16 to have him killed by a giant that God knew was there in chapter 17. God did not save you and have you here today for whatever you're facing in your life to destroy you. Now I want to just share quickly. Uh, we will go through things. We will all pass away. But even that death in this world does not stop God's eternal work in your life. Jesus says, even though they die, they shall live. All right? We understand there are battles in this world and things like that, but we have to understand that your purpose in life, filling out the purpose that God created you for, you need to understand He didn't put you here just to be destroyed by it. The giant is there to have you grow. It's an exercise of faith. How many of you know that this body I have isn't from lifting weights? <laughs> right? I'm not buff like Juan over there. Straight from the army not long ago. But when someone exercises and builds muscle, how did you do it? It's through resistance. That's what weights are. It's to resist where, you, where you're trying to push it to go. That resistance builds the muscle. And that's what God allows giants in our life because it's in a re resistance to build our faith to have us trust Him more. To put trust in Him and not in us. See, when you have trust in you, He says, well, then you handle it. But he's saying, oh, do you trust me? So we have to understand those giants in our life are there for test. And how many of you know you need a test to have a testimony? Right? Amen. Second thing I want you to understand is we need to learn and trust that God is the same God. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Is that true? So you're telling me 
We still serve the same God who was able to part the Red Sea. We're serving the same God who raised Lazarus from the dead. We're serving the same God with the woman with the meal barrel and the little thing of all that never ran out. We're serving that God? Then why are we so scared? If he done it then, he'll do it now. According, let me tell you, stop, pump the brakes. According to his will and plan in our life. If it doesn't go the way you want it, do not get offended by him, but know that you're still part of the will, will going on in life. So we need to understand, we need to place our trust in the Lord. Uh, put up Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. I want you to notice this. We're talking about the same God we serve. Of yes, uh, that they served, we're serving. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. What does that, that word immeasurably mean? It's easier. Uh, I can't say it. I got tongue Immeasurably, immeasurably me more means it's beyond what you can contain, beyond, beyond what you can measure. More than all we... Well, hold on, what's that word? Ask. Do you notice it doesn't say more than we talk about? The Israelites were talking about the giant, but they weren't asking their God to deliver him. So we need to learn that prayer. Asking God for his help in the situation. Not talking about the situation. Asking God to move in the situation. It's two totally different things. They were talking about the situation for 40 days. David showed up in one day and it was over. More than we can ask or imagine. According to whose power? His power. And where is it at work? Within us. Go to the next verse. To him, now this is what I want you to understand, this, this, we serve the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. To him be the glory, which he said he'd do immeasurably more, uh, to the church and in Christ Jesus throughout whose generations? Not just the past. Throughout all generations, forever and ever. Forever and ever. He done it then, he'll do it today. Amen. See, when you walk into your valley, valley to square off with your giant, just be ready that, to know that there may be other giants there. That, if you notice, David took five, five stones. Now, why he chose five? We know that uh, uh, Goliath had four sons, so it could have been for one of his sons, but at the time it's not believed that David knew he had four sons. But I think David took him and says, you know what? If this first one don't kill him, I'm not giving up. I'm keeping on swinging. 
I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep on keeping on. And another thing is, you know what? If he goes down, any one of you boys want to come on, I'm ready for you too. You keep on fighting. Keep on slinging. In other words, he was saying, guys, after I throw this first stone, there's more fight in me. I'm not giving up. This isn't my last fight. I'll fight every day if I have to. There's more fight in me. He knew he might miss on the first shot, but he kept on slinging. He would have kept slinging. So whether you believe me or not today, here's the matter of truth. If you're a child of God, you are a giant killer. The, God, the power of God lives inside of you and is working inside of you. You are preordained to be a giant killer, not to cower in fear. Let me stress this. You are a giant killer not because you possess any power, but because you serve a God who possesses all power. You're a giant killer not because you possess any power, but you serve a God who possesses all power. You're a giant killer not because your aim is good, but because you serve a God that never misses. You hear me? You're a giant killer not because you got a great aim, but it's the God you serve never misses. You're a giant killer not because you deserve anything from God, but because He has promised to give you His victory through His Son, the Lord Jesus. So we need to get out there, take back what the enemy has stolen, and start killing giants for Him. Amen? And how we do that... We'll close with, with, with the last scripture on your page. Zechariah 4, 6. So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord, Zerubbabel, not by might nor power, which meaning earthly weapons, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. We need to fight the way David fought. And we'll kill giants all the time because of him. Amen. Let's stand to our feet as we close in prayer. Father, we just come before you right now. And Father, I just come to you right now. If anyone's never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I want to give that opportunity right now. So if you've never asked the Lord to be, uh, uh, Jesus to come into your heart to be Lord of your life, I want you just to invite him right now. Just simply say this prayer if everyone would. Just say from your heart, meaning it. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today, and I know I am broken. And I ask that I be born again through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I know I fall short in many areas of my life. But I believe that you loved me so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I invite Christ into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior from this day forward. Amen. Amen. I just want to say a special happy birthday to Miss Hazel Sheremy. That's our happy birthday.
Amen, amen. I'm just realizing I missed uh, birthdays. Does anyone having a birthday this week? Raise your hand. We want to tell you happy birthday too. I forgot to ask that. Any first timers here? Raise your hand. All right. Good to see y'all. God bless y'all. So glad right there. You having a birthday, Sister Jan? Happy birthday to you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We'll see y'all Wednesday night for prayer.